Hello, I'm Carrick MacDonald, and this is Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. This is the fifth in a series of programmes about Rutherglen in the 1950s. In the earlier programmes, David Jackson talked about how little life changed for many people in the town between the 1930s and the 1950s. The 1950s I'm talking about, you know, really was pre-war. Everything was pre-war. And, and the behaviour and the lifestyle, you know, was actually pre-war, which as a kid I didn't realise. I would listen to my dad and his brothers and my aunties talking about before the war, and I grew up thinking there was a difference. Mm-hmm. What with there being ration books that went on about and, and things like that, the 50s, as I said before, mm-hmm. a man in this town who was an old street bookie said to me, if you ever talk about the, the 1950s, this is 30 years ago he said this to me, don't ever make out they were bloody good, he says, because you were gay heart. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The town David describes, the people and the places, is a world away from what it is now. David begins this programme by talking about some of the places of work in the town which have long since disappeared. He then goes on to recall, among other things, outdoor swimming, train spotting, the last working farm in Rutherglen, and Halloween 1950s style. You know, but in talking, I was talking there about um, employment, mm-hmm. Ernsies, Patterson, McMurdo's, etc. There was two other particular places at my end of the town, at the West End, uh, called the Cathkin Laundry and the Chenille Work. The what? The, the, the Cathkin Laundry yeah, and, the, and the Chenille Work. All oh, right, sorry. Yeah, yes, I shall tell you about the Chenille Work. Okay. Before I forget... There was other places down the west end of Rutherglen. Aye, the the mm. the the, the, the in the Cathkin Laundry, right. you know, and they employed lots of local women mm-hmm. and girls. First was Giffen and Bissett's Cathkin Laundry on the Cathcart Road, with its quaint old building, which stood for a hundred and seventeen years, and was only demolished in two thousand and thirteen because the firm moved. The firm moved about the year 2000, but lay for 13 years empty. They moved to East Cobride because of a lot of leakage in, in, mm. in the roof, etc. Yeah. But um, I, I was in that many times. And all the women in the Burn Hill and Rutherglen, you know, it was all Rutherglen women that worked in it. Many women that I knew, my neighbours, mm. older women, ages of my mother, etc., yeah. worked in the Cathkin Laundry. As I say, it was situated on the Cathcart Road. Um, the other factory I must mention was the Tully Allen Chenille work at the bottom of Burn Road. This factory, my, my mother worked in this factory as a girl with all her sisters. This factory was previously the Avonbank Power Loom Weaving Factory, which opened in the 1860s. These buildings that I'm telling you about hmm. were all old, and, and most of the stuff I'm telling you, going to go into detail, pens and etc. and through, were all in buildings that were built 1860s and that sure. period. Yeah. You know, the 1950s I'm talking about, you know, really was, you know, um, pre-war. Everything was pre-war, and and the behaviour and the lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it was actually pre-war, which as a kid I didn't realise. I would listen to my dad and his brothers and my aunties talking about before the war, and I grew up thinking there was a difference. Mm-hmm. What with there being ration books that went on about and, and things like that, 
the fifties, as I said before, mm. a man in this town who was an old street bookie said to me, "If you ever talk about the the nineteen fifties, this is thirty years ago." He said this to me. Don't ever make out they were bloody good, he says, because you were gay heart. Mm. <laughs> yeah. He was a street bookie, mm. you know. Yep. But this other building at the bottom of Burn Road was uh, the Avonbank Powerloom Weaving Factory, which opened in the 1860s. And it operated up until 1939 as a Powerloom Weaving Factory. And as I've just mentioned, talking about the weavers close, there was two other Powerloom Weaving Factories, mm-hmm. all within a space of three or four hundred yards. Anyway, in 1931, the Tully Allen took over the factory and made chenille curtains and cushion covers, much of which was exported to America. They made their business, you know. Uh, that chenille has got a wonderful feel to it. Yeah. You know, yeah. chenille curtains and things. Mm. Uh, there's a warmth about it, isn't there? Sure. And they done big business. they done big business. Mm. And uh, um, I had uncles worked in there. The... The, I had uncles worked in there for 30 or 40 years. Two mm. uncles, my uncle Jimmy Darcy and my uncle Eddie McHugh worked in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget exactly what, what they'd done, you know. Yeah. Um, but those are worthy of a mention, those two factories. Sure. And the emphasis about how much work there was in the town. And I've just spoke about women. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on to something different now. One second, did it? I've been talking about starting school and how going to school um, and passing those factories, etc. and that. But there was another there was another building and the, the in Rutherglen at that time that I would like to talk about. You know, going back to my early school days at St Column Kills, only a couple of hundred yards from our school stood a convent by the name of Bellevue Convent. It sat up in Clinkert Hill. This convent was run by the Sisters of Charity. And so far as I know, it opened up about 1914. I do believe that some of the children were from Rutherglen. But to my knowledge, 95% of them came from Glasgow, from the east end of Glasgow, Mm -hmm. from Bridgeton, Carlton, the Gallagate. Again, from what... Again, from what I can remember, some were orphans, others from broken homes, etc. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I don't really know. But these children all attended our school, both primary school and secondary school. And every class in the school had convent kids in it. The boys, were, the boys wore rough grey woolly pullovers and rough grey socks, grey shorts, and big tackety boots. <laughs> no worse or better than any of the rest of us. Mm. There was a, the only the only school in Rutherglen that had a school uniform in the early and or mid fifties was Rutherglen Academy. Mm-hmm. Every other school, yeah. the Borough School, Eastfield School, McDonald School, Ferry Street, we didn't have school uniforms. Sure. You know. Mm. Um, I think I gave mention my mother was a cleaner mm-hmm. uh, in Kings Park, yep. and sometimes in the nineteen fifties, uh, that we called them the Toffs in Kings Park, and they would give my mother, uh, you know, good uh, V-neck pullovers and socks, but they were of Kings Park School, 
and my mother only had to darn the, the elbows mm. and the heels of the socks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to school yeah, with yeah. King's Park <laughs> socks and school on <laughs> and nobody gave any notice yeah, to it. Yeah. Nobody gave any notice to it. <laughs> you know, mm. um, that was life. Yeah. Uh, mm. I don't think I'm overemphasising about um, uh, the 1950s. Mm. Um, everybody was in the one boat, you know, and uh, I don't remember ever me, my brother, and I had a little sister that was born in the mid-50s, ever saying... I don't want that for my dinner. Mm. You put your head down and you, there was nothing you didn't like. You ate what was put in front of you. Mm. Back to the, the the kids at the at the convent. You know, I didn't pay attention to the girls at the convent. Albeit, albeit, I remember all of them and many of their names. But I liked all the convent boys, many of whom I would later... Uh, play football for an our school team and I have to say I was no shrinking violet myself but there were some real hardy boys amongst them convent boys <laughs> truly from what I remember the convent closed sometime about the mid 60s or maybe even as late as 67 <coughs> but it's a memory mm. of a of an era and of things gone by in Rutherland yes. in a time, mm. a convent. So what, 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 what's that building now? What's it used for now? No, uh, well, what happened was uh, the building, <clears throat> that building was owned by the Catholic Church mm -hmm. <coughs> and um, hence, and it was uh, run by the nuns, hence yep. they went to St. Column Kills. Mm. And that building now, uh, that area, that land now in Clinkett Hill is where St Colin Kills Primary School is. Oh, right, right. In the late 1960s, they built, in 1969, they built a new primary school there. Mm -hmm. And would you believe it was demolished about three or four years ago right. and they've built another new one. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the primary school I went to in Rutherglen mm -hmm. was built in 1914, yeah, and still stands. Right, yeah. It still stands. Sure. It is now the, the, the parochial hall. Mm -hmm. for St Colum Kills Church. Right. I'm Carrick MacDonald and you're listening to Halfway to Butter, the Two Towns local history show on Camglen Radio. In this latest programme in the series about Rutherglen in the 1950s, David Jackson is sharing with me some of his recollections of life in the town at that time. Moving on. Hmm. Round about 1954, us kids from the Burnhill or the west end of Rutherglen would go swimming in the clay pits behind White's Chemical Works, next to the main Glasgow to London railway line. I actually learned to swim in these pits. That area was famous in days gone by and was known as the Shawfield Clay Beds. And as I say, in days gone by, as many as 13 brickworks operated in this area in the 1800s. Around about 1980, I'd like to add in, I'd done a wee project for Alistair Gordon, the curator of Rutherglen Museum. Mm -hmm. I set about, in my own accord, to try and find a sample of each brick of the 13 brickworks in the West End. Mm -hmm. It took me two years oh, to complete really? it, <laughs> and I donated them to Rutherglen Museum. Wow. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a good wee industrial history yeah. for the museum. I managed to get find one brick of each, and some of these brickworks disappeared 
in the 1870s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And would you believe in the Rutherglen area, and I really did score the whole of Rutherglen yeah. and found them in some odd places. Mm. The last one I found was in someone's garden mm-hmm. in Clinker, on Clinkert Hill. Uh-huh. In the days when they used wee bricks as a as a border, yes, they put them on yeah, their side yeah. as a border, uh-huh. and this brick was face out the stamp. You see, the bricks mm-hmm. were stamped, mm-hmm. and this was face out, and it <clears> said <throat> James Murray called the old brickwork. Mm-hmm. Truth is, I nicked it. <laughs> <laughs> I nicked it. It was the thirteenth brick to complete uh, my collection. Yes, <laughs> and uh, as I say, I cleaned them up and donated them. <laughs> Anyway, there was one last brickwork that survived until 1963 and it was John Patterson's in Pomadie Road and it was it was them that made the clay pits that I am talking about mm. in the 1950s. They made endless pits across the Malls Mire, which as we know is in the west end of Rutherglen near the railway line. Incidentally, at the same time, we kids used to go train spotting, steam engines in those days, the, the iron horse, yeah. to Pomadie railway sheds. My father was actually a fire drapper at, at that time in, in, the, in the sheds at Pomadie. Mm-hmm. And the Patterson's brickwork was right next to the, 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 the sheds. And we would see the tramps sleeping against the warm walls of the killings, as they were, uh, they were always there, and seemed to be allowed to do so. Mm. Yeah, you know they were always there. Yeah. These tramps, mm-hmm. um, destitute people, alcoholics, etc., etc. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that area, the Oaklands, the Gorbals, mm-hmm. the Malls, Meyer, Pomedy, and um, as kids we always saw them, right. and it was human nature. We never took any notice because. Mm. That was also the way of the things in the, those days, sure. destitute men. Mm-hmm. But they would get in against the the killing walls, which mm. were warm, wow. yeah. and they would be lying there sleeping mm-hmm. during the day, mm. during the day. Yep. You know, um, mm. quite amazing. Sure. Anyway, I'm digressing. Mm-hmm. Back to the swimming. The most popular place to go swimming when I was a kid was the paddling pond, or the paddy as it was called. It was situated on the south side of Bankhead Road before you go up to Mitchell's Crosshill Farm. The paddy was man-made by Rutherland Town Council in 1936, I can add. Mm. It was actually the Westburn, or Jennysburn, as it was most commonly known. And the council made a large pond with cushy stones. Once again, cushy stones. Mm -hmm. Cushy stones, you know, live up, we can um, stand... A million years. Yes, you know yeah. they're an amazing, they're amazing stone, right. and they were made by cushy stones. Uh, during the summer school holidays on warm sunny days in the nineteen fifties, my little brother Ronnie and I would go with all our cousins, boys and girls, to the paddy. It was far from unusual to get up to a hundred kids in the paddy. There is plenty of pictorial history today, mm-hmm. in the muse- even in the museum here, yep. in the the library here, right. of the uh, photographs of the paddy. Mm-hmm. There was also a caretaker on the paddy, mm-hmm. a wee man that cut the grass and the hedges right. and swept up and kept the paddy clean. Sure. But don't forget, it was a, uh, you know, it would be unacceptable nowadays. The the town council did not build a swimming pool, mm-hmm. baths. Mm-hmm. They built a paddling pond, which was a burn running through it. 
you know, yeah. there was uh, sticklebacks and uh, baggy minis, wee fish in it, aye. and the likes, <laughs> aye, and, and we all swam in it and thought nothing of it. No, of course. Thought nothing of it, mm-hmm. you know. Again, when I said the paddling pond was next to Mitchell's farm, I would like to say a few words about that. My dad's older sister, Sarah, she lived in Brownsdale Road, near the farm, at Bankhead. And my younger brother and I were in her house every other day as kids, and she always sent us up to Robert Mitchell's Crosshill Farm for her eggs and milk. You know, I can clearly remember knocking on that farmhouse door and asking for six eggs and a pint of milk. The grandfather, John Mitchell, he took over the farm in 1888. It was a rented farm from McTaggart and Meikle, the building people, Mm -hmm. Lord McTaggart. And in the 1930s, uh, John Mitchell later passed it on to his son, Robert, who in turn passed it on to his sons, John and James. It was the last working farm in Rutherland. That's why I want to give mention to it. Mm -hmm. And although the farmhouse still stands to this day, the farm went out of business in the 1970s. You know, on on that Bankhead Road up until the 1970s, you would see endless uh, cows in that field. Mm -hmm. Ayrshire cows, I do believe, in in that field. And and I got to know uh, the Mitchells, John Mitchell, who only passed away two years ago, and his sister Donna. Mm-hmm. Bachelor and Spinster, mm-hmm. the last people on the farm. And, and the Mitchells were lovely, lovely people, kind people. After the war, you could not get a house. Mm. There was people, eh, we called them squatters, that lived up eh, eh, the High Street, lived up the eh, Prospect Hall Road in Nissen Huts, five large Nissen Huts. I'm talking Nissen Huts that were 50 yards long. Mm. And there was families lived in each one of those nissen huts mm-hmm. in the late 40s and into the mid-50s that did not have a house. Okay. They were on the list waiting in a house. Yeah, yeah. And um, everybody seen everybody else going yeah. to bed, yeah. let me see. Mm-hmm. But they were under, under a shelter yeah. and probably more than happy. Mm-hmm. I visited that a lot when I was a kid because in Black Falls Road, uh, the Scottish farmer would come round, the milkman would come round, and his name was Charlie, early 50s, and we would be sent out, we didn't get delivered milk, we would be sent out for the milk, and um, and if we missed Charlie, there was no Tory Glen housing scheme, mm-hmm. none. Mm-hmm. This is pre-Tory Glen housing scheme. Yeah. And uh, we would, the, his next stop was the squatter's huts, mm-hmm. which was a quarter of a mile up the Prospect Hill Road, yeah. and my wee brother and me had to go up to the squatter's huts mm-hmm. to to get the milk and go back down the road. It yeah, better, better but it was quite horrible, well, you know, to see. Mm. And, uh, and of course, they would stare at you, you know, mm. they knew they were strangers. Oh, yeah. But you know an odd thing? Mm. I was later to find out that two boys that I grew up with in Rutherglen mm-hmm. had been living in the squatters' huts. Really? They'd get houses in Rutherglen. Mm-hmm. And I became friendly with yeah, the two boys. Yeah, yeah. You know, later on, I'll not name names, sure. but I became friendly with the boys and Good. grew up with them. Good. Yeah. And they had lived. Mm-hmm. And their dads had come home for the war and had near a house nice. and got married and, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I talk the 1950s. Mm-hmm. To get away from that anyway, to tell you, mm-hmm. which for me, funny wee story, <laughs> you know, while sitting in the bus last Halloween, 
I overheard a conversation, and I'm talking here present day, mm -hmm. uh, 2017, 18. Yep. Uh -huh. I overheard a conversation between two young mothers about how much they had spent on fancy costumes for their kids to go out for their Halloween. I really couldn't believe my eyes, my ears. Mm. You know, the kind of money they were talking about. My mind drifted back once again to the 50s, when me, my wee brother, and our best pal, Wally, went out every year, dressed up the same way as the year before. We would put on our father's working jacket, or one of his old jackets, which would be down to our ankles. Then it would be his working bonnet, and the final touch was our dad would put his hand up the chimney, which we all had coal fires, and he would blacken our faces. Mm -hmm. Ten seconds, and we were three coal miners. Yep. <laughs> three coal miners. Cost was nothing. Mm. Would you know that my memory serves me well? We dressed as the same thing every year at Halloween. Yep. Coal miners. Mm -hmm. My father's jacket, my father's bunter, and soup all over our face. And off we went, mm. as happy as Larry. You know, and again I laughed when I thought about this. I am sure we were still going out for our Halloween at 11 or 12 years of age. <laughs> Aye, because the whole fact of free fruit and mm. duking for apples and this and that yeah. was too much to resist. Mm. And we weren't the only ones. No. Other kids done it as well. Mm -hmm. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you've been listening to Halfway to Butter, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. Thanks to David Jackson for his contribution to this programme about Rutherglen in the 1950s and to Zen Boyd of Rutherglen Heritage Centre for her help and support. The music was by Sugal Nifty. If you've got any comments on this programme or you've got some ideas for future local history programmes, please contact me by email, history at camglenradio.org. I hope you enjoyed that programme and that you can join me again next time. Until then, bye-bye. Sadly, David Jackson passed away unexpectedly on the 3rd of November 2020. David was the font of all knowledge when it came to the history of Rutherglen. A proud Raglonian and a well-kent figure around the town, he'll be greatly missed. How do you look after your teeth and gums? Brush your teeth um, every, every time you wake up and at bedtime. Make sure you get like everywhere around your mouth, even the back of your teeth. If you kind of don't, then you'll have them fall out. If you don't look after your teeth, you'll get black and brown. To help keep your teeth and gums healthy, visit the dentist regularly. To register with a dentist, simply telephone or visit a practice in your area and ask if you can register with them. You can find a dentist near you using the NHS Inform service directory. You are listening to Press Pause on Cam Glen Radio. This is a programme that focuses on nature sounds to promote relaxation and mindfulness. For the next half an hour, you will hear the sounds of the River Teeth in Calendar. <laughs>